Uh, we're in a series, and this is part two. Last week we started it, a uh, series on the Ten Commandments. And so we're, we're, we're talking about the ten principles uh, behind the Ten Commandments. And so uh, we're looking forward uh, just to learning uh, a lot about it. And, and really, um, this, it's, it's ten relational principles that we're talking about uh, in this series. And we want to figure out what that looks like. And so when we look at the Bible, we look at the Ten Commandments. If we don't, I, just don't, I don't see just a list of rules of do's and don'ts. What I actually see is principles behind those those commandments and, and those instructions that are trying to help us. Like we said last week, it's they're, they're there to help us enhance our relationships, enhance our relationship with God, enhance our relationship with other people. And so he's given the Ten Commandments to help us have healthy relationships. In fact, we said last week that the Ten Commandments are all about relationships. I can say you could sum up the whole Bible with that one word, relationship. That's what it's about. He, God is doing everything he can to point us towards healthy relationships, so he's inviting us to, to learn and to grow. In fact, we said in this series we want to discover the why behind these? Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, I shared a quote. He said a great last week. I shared last week. He says, "A man who knows how will always have a job, but the man who knows why will always be his boss." Uh, so it's important that we understand why uh, why things are given, and that's the heart of this series: is why is God giving these commandments? Today we're going to talk about the second one. Uh, what does this look like? And so um, when when it comes to the Ten Commandments, when it comes to the to relationships, I said this last week that um, each of us gets to determine the depth of our relationships. You determine the depth of your relationship with others. You determine the depth of your relationship with God. And so we all get to do that. And I, the question I asked was this. Do you, do you want to have a relationship with God that just follows rules? Or do you want to have a relationship with, that, that has a depth of understanding? Um, I'd hope it would be the second one. I know my heart is I want to have a depth of understanding that understands what God is asking of me. And, and uh, I can understand why he's asking those things. Because we need to determine that. And so last week we said the first, the first um, principle was the principle of prayer. Priority. And uh, the first commandment was having no other gods. And we said that's, the, that's all about worshiping only God. It's about worshiping, uh, I should say, it's about worshiping God only. And it's about putting God first. And we said that when God gives his commandments, he's not keeping us some, from something bad. Um, he's actually, he's, he's not trying to keep something good from us. He's trying to keep something bad um, us away from something bad and that's the whole point it's like he's trying to help put guardrails in our lives to keep us from something harmful um, it'd be like the same as me telling my kids uh, you shall not play on the street why? because there's danger there I don't want them to get hurt but you shall play in the yard uh, because I want them to have fun I want them freedom within those boundaries and so I'm saying be careful I want you to, to understand um, life and I want you to understand that God has so today we're going to talk about the second principle and that's the second command and I believe the principle behind this one is the principle of purity now we're talk about that. What does that mean? What does that look like uh, to, to be somebody that has purity in our lives and the principle of uh, what does purity mean? Um, see, So God is giving these Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. And the people of Israel are leaving a land of slavery, Egypt, and they're going to a new land, Canaan, um, of Canaan, and, and, and there's some similarities in the two different um, systems of, of, of religion and belief. Uh, they serve many gods and many idols, and they're going to a land that the, the culture also has, uh, serves many gods and many idols. And so God is saying, I want you to keep yourself pure. Uh, we're we're going to read, read this. Um, you know, in, in our culture, there's a lot of similarities to the people of the Bible. I think we read it sometimes, we think, 
Um, that's so old, so ancient. Uh, but there are some very similar principles um, that we can apply to our, this day and age in, in our culture. Because uh, here's the thing, the culture in the Bible culture, they, they, they have similar ideas and similar stories that are happening. Uh, you might hear it like this, uh, you know, you, you worship your God and I'll worship my God because they're both right anyways. Uh, but that's kind of like saying the Patriots and the Eagles are both champions. Uh, too soon? Is that too soon to talk about this? Uh, by, by definition, they can't both be champions. One, Only one can be champion, right? That's the same thing with God. It, it, there can't be multiple gods. There can really, by definition, only be one God. And so when culture makes these statements, like, you, you do your thing, I do my thing, they're both right, right? Does it matter? Well, no. In, in, in actuality, if we begin to, to think through all this, uh, it can't be both. Uh, there has to be one. And this is what God was saying to the people of Israel. He's saying, you, you need to keep your lives pure. You can't have, allow a mixture of other beliefs, of other religions, other gods into it, because they're going to lead you astray. They're going to lead you. And let, so let's read in Exodus 20. This is what it says, the second commandment. Exodus 20, verse 4. It says, you shall not make for yourself a graven image, a carved image, any likeness or, or anything that is in heaven above or the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor you shall you serve them. And he goes on and says this, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the Father upon the children to the third and fourth generation those who hate, of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to the thousand generations, to those who love and keep my commandments. So he's saying, um, don't, don't make for yourself any images, any idols that you can bow down and worship and serve. Essentially saying, what you do, what you worship, you're eventually going to be enslaved to. You're going to be trapped in, and it's going to bring something into your life. And so you say, those who hate me, um, I'm going to visit the iniquities, the sins of, of the father down to the, to, the generate, to the children, to the third and fourth generation. I'm going to, I'm going to visit, the, those sins will visit the family. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, what that looks like. Uh, but here's, here's the whole basis for idolatry. Is, he, is the basis is this is that the basis of idolatry is that it is a lie um, that, that is not real um, we, we take something that's not God and we pretend that it is um, idols are like that they lie to us uh, they can never here's the thing with, with idols and, and, and false gods is they can never fully deliver what they promise yeah, maybe for a slight moment um, but but Eventually, it doesn't deliver what we really want. And worse, it enslaves us because we become more and more like the thing that we actually worship. So if you're worshiping that's not real, you become less real. You, be, you become more um, uh, less true or untrue. You become false and, and in many ways even dead, less human, enslaved to those, those commitments, enslaved to those things that you are worshiping and wanting from that idol. Um, and here's even the thing for us is, is maybe you're here today and you're, you're a Christ follower. Um, even aspects of our faith can become idols. They become, we can serve knowledge, we can serve learning, or we can, we can even become enslaved to systems. Um, we become more about making, about the church we go to and, and, um, and what's important in our lives and we miss out on the whole reason behind it. And if you're not a Christian, um, we hope that you will, in this series, will, will, will help you to identify and learn some principles that God is, is asking us to have to have healthy relationships. And, if, and, and like I said last week with principles, is uh, principles are universal. They apply to anybody every, every, all the time. And the principle of purity is saying keep, keep your life pure so that you keep away from things that are going to dilute, that are going to uh, mixtures in, that are going to bring harm to your life. And so God has invited us in this. He's saying would, would just, just worship me, um, trust me on this journey. Uh, in fact, in Psalms 106, we see that the, the, the songwriter, the psalmist, he's writing about the journey of the people of Israel leaving slavery 
slavery, going into the wilderness, um, and eventually getting into the promised land. And, and he makes these statements how their hearts are drifted away from God to these false gods and to these idols. And they begin to worship and practice things that were not good or healthy for them. In fact, what we'll pick up in, in Psalms 106 verse 34, it says this, that they did not, that they did not destroy... Um, they did not destroy the people as the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled, catch that word, they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. So he warned them and said, keep yourself pure, but they didn't. They mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. They worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods. So catch that. These idols they worship actually became a snare to them. It ensnared them, it enslaved them, it trapped them um, to the point where even they began to sacrifice their sons and their, their daughters to false gods. Catch that, to lifeless gods, to, to things that aren't even alive, they begin to sacrifice them. In fact, it says that uh, they shed instant blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idol of the Canaan, and the land was desecrated by their blood. They defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. So he's saying um, they, they, they let a mixture, they allowed a mixture into their lives where it wasn't just God, but it was, it was, it was God and others, which we said last week, it can't be God and others, it's either God or it's not God. You make the choice. And that's the beauty of God. He gives us the choice. He's not forced upon us. We choose this. But he's saying that they, they allowed, and because of this, it defiled them, um, that they gave themselves to something, and then it took away, and it took away even their, in their, their life. And in fact, in, in, earlier in the psalm, it says that they offered sacrifices to lifeless gods, that they traded the glory of God um, for just a, a, an image of a bull, um, which he's talking about some of the different pagan gods that, the, that these uh, other nations served. He's saying they're, they're, they traded the goodness and the glory of God for something that's not even real. In fact, um, there was different things that the, that the people of Canaan practiced when it came to worship. Um, one of them uh, was fertility rites and, and were temple prostitution where um, if, if you wanted to have a baby, uh, the husband would go sleep with the prostitute in hopes that the gods would bless him. He would come back and be able to, him and his wife, be able to conceive a baby. Uh, it was tied to that. Well, we understand what that looks like in our culture, right? When, uh, when we have multiple partners, the dangers and, and the things that come with that, the different diseases that follow with that, you can only imagine those things. Uh, worse, one of the things that they would do is very inhumane is there was even child sacrifice that would take place uh, to the God of Molech. It, it says in the Old Testament that the, the people of Israel, they would allow their children to pass through the fire, which means that they sacrificed their kids alive. Um, they allowed them to pass through this because they wanted something. And out of selfishness, uh, they traded uh, something beautiful, life, for something that was selfish, that only they wanted for themselves. Um, and they let their, they passed their, their kids through the fire, um, which is which is a horrible thing, and God detested that. And one of the reasons, he says, don't turn your hearts to that, because you're going to get yourself into situations that are going to cause pain in your family. It's going to cause destruction. And at this point, it's going to cause death to your own kids. Uh, Paul in First Corinthians tells us that even um, some forms of, of idol worship and, and offering to, to pagan gods is, is actually demonic. Like there is a, a, a side of this that is dark, uh, that is influenced by the enemy himself. Um, and so these different uh, gods and things that they worship, there's actually um, a, an attachment to that. Uh, but where do they get this idea? Where did Canaan get this idea? Where did the Egyptians get this idea? I would say that um, we have, the Bible talks about we have an adversary, an enemy. His name is Satan, uh, the, the devil, the deceiver. Uh, in fact, part of his strategy is to deceive and to mess up and to, and to trick us and mislead us. Um, now, I, this is where I believe he got the, got the idea. Um, because in, in Canaan, what they believed is that when they carved an image of a god, 
God, that the, 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 the God that, the, that they carved that image, that that God will put his spirit into that idol, into that image that they carved. Um, and, and I think the reason they, they got that is because Satan convinced them that they could begin to make idols and things in, in the image of, of different gods, or even in some cases themselves. Because in Genesis one twenty six it says this, it says that, that God said, God said, um, he said this in Genesis one twenty six. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So it says that God made an image of himself on the earth and he put his spirit in it. Um, there doesn't need to be another image of God because there already is. You and I are made in the image of God. So he's saying, I don't want you to have other images because I've already made the image of me. I've, I put it in you. I put my spirit in these, these human beings and you don't need to have others. And so, but the enemy, and this is his strategy all the time, is he takes something that's good, he perverts it, he changes it, he distorts it, he, he has something that's pure and he brings an impurity into it so he can take it away from its original intent. In fact, to pervert something just means to alter something from its original course, from its original meaning, or to distort and corrupt something from, its, from what was first intended. And I think that's the strategy of the enemy, is he wants to take and distort and, and, and bring impurities into this. And so why is impurity so important? Why does it matter if we allow impurities into our life? Um, what, what, what does that matter? It, it's because when we begin to pervert reality, when we begin to distort truth, um, we don't even know what's real. Um, and, and we allow mixtures to come in our life that brings impurities into our life and it, it leads us astray. Um, and so God is warning us. He's saying, I want you to, um, to be careful. Don't allow any mixture into your life. And this is why, because God knows that images or, um, or gods of this world, they're, they're bankrupt. Uh, he knows that if we pursue them, we'll always find ourselves disappointed. If you, you pursue these things, they, you'll always be, be left disappointed and devastated because false gods, remember this, they always take... They always take, take, and take. And only the true living God can give and give and give. And throughout the Bible, we say it over and over. He gives and he gives and he gives. He's trying to protect us. So these Ten Commandments that he's given us, they're not for God's benefit, but they're for our benefit. They're for yours and for mine. Because uh, here's, here's the truth. God could start over whenever he wanted. Uh, he doesn't need us, but he chooses relationship and he wants to lead us on this journey. And so he gives us an opportunity for us to have healthy relationship with him, healthy relationship with others, and, and also healthy relationship with things in our lives. He wants us to, to, to do this. And, and what, one of the things that we need to do is, is just always be aware of that and, 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 and be aware of what we put first in our lives. Um, when it comes to idolatry, a simple way of thinking of it is idolatry is where we allow something, this could be anything, to take the place of God. You allow something, I allow something, and this could be whatever it is, anything in our lives to take the place of God. And when it comes to idolatry, when it comes to worshiping other things, the truth is that we can't break the second command without breaking the first command. Because as soon as you break that second command and make something else um, that you begin to worship, you actually remove God from the center of your lives. Um, and, and this is what it is. is, is an idol is, is what people live for. Um, it, it, first, what fills our imagination. When we wait awake, awake at night, when we lie awake at night, um, thinking of, of things, we spend, things that we spend our time or energy on, um, it's the imagination, anything that holds value, that, uh, an activity that's higher than God in our lives. Um, it, this, would, this would even go into the fantasy world where we begin to imagine things, uh, things that aren't real. Uh, things that are, are, are uh, just that we would hope for or think of. Um, the idea would be like this. Um, if there's something in your life that you think of and you're not content or happy unless you had that thing, that is a good idea. That uh, That's a, a good way to 
um, think that you actually created an idol and had made something in your life that you're worshiping. Um, because if, if, it's, if it's something other than God's already provided for you, you begin to worship that thing. For example, if I begin to imagine something differently in my life that I don't have, and it consumes me, and I begin to think, I will not be happy or content unless I have this thing. Um, it begins to lead my heart towards those things and to, astray from that. And the danger is, is that when we begin to um, allow these things and we begin to worship things that aren't true, um, we actually become like those things, whatever we allow into our lives. So it would be like this. I'll give you an example. I'm going to put some statements on the screen. Um, if you're not a, a Christ follower, uh, we hope in this journey that uh, as you see the commands that you would begin to see that the Bible has a lot of truth that can help us to have healthy relationships. Uh, but if you are, if you center your life around God, these are statements that you would probably make. Um, you, you would say something like this. God gives purpose and meaning and fulfillment to my life. Uh, God governs the way I act. God is often in my thoughts, and I get enthusiastic about God. Uh, thoughts of God, they comfort me when I'm down. Um, I read about God. I think about God. I talk about God. I desire more of God. Um, now, if, if we were to insert anything else into those statements, that would, that would show us um, what we have maybe made into an idol or to a God in our life. Um, and here's the thing. Most dangerous idols are, are often good things that have been twisted. Gifts from God, and, and, and move, that would made into something different. For example, what if we inserted money into these, into these statements? Um, what if we said money gives purpose, meaning, and fulfillment to my life? If, if that's a true statement for you, it's possible that money has become God in your life, that it, it's, it's dominating, that, that you made that into an idol. Uh, if, if money governs the way you act, um, that means that you're, you're consumed with it, that you're now worshiping money over God. Um, you can answer anything else like possessions or music or sex or sports or careers. Um, whatever that is, is, is often in my thoughts and I get enthusiastic about this thing. It's possible that you made that into an idol. Uh, thoughts of this thing comfort me when I'm down. It's possible that that is taking the place of God. I read about these things. I talk about these things. I make friends with those who are also committed to these things. I, de- I desire more of blank. What is those things that you put in the blank? That would be an indication that that is the idol that you've been serving. That is the God of your life. That's what you put priority. And here's the thing is, a lot of times the very best things in life actually make the most tempting idols. Because um, they're good things. We just take them. And, and the reason a lot of times we make idols, things, idols in our lives is because those things don't make moral demands in our lives like God does. Um, to worship something like sex. It doesn't make a moral demand. We just give... We, we, we do whatever feels good. We go with whatever whatever feels right. Um, it's, it's more attractive to us, be, an attractive alternative, because it, it's easy. In fact, I believe one of the reasons the people of Israel, they jumped into these things uh, so quickly, is because they wanted something immediate and instant. It, it was something they could do on their terms when they wanted. And that's what God is saying. Be careful, because when you begin to serve something that's not real, you're going to do it on your terms. You're actually serving something you made in your image, not in my image. Uh, you're distorting that. You're taking it. You're you're you're, you're turning it into something that's not supposed to be. And this is a danger for all of us. Uh, when we live our lives focused on something that has no eternal value, um, it'll eventually lead us over the cliff or into harmful areas. So we have to be really, really careful with that. Um, and here's the thing: when it comes to that, uh, God, the reason God doesn't want us to walk in impurity is because uh, whenever we allow a mixture of something, it, it always affects our relationships. 
It will affect our relationship with Him. It will affect our relationship with our kids, our grandkids, and even to our great-grandchildren. Um, so He's saying, get it out of your life. Don't allow mixtures in your life because it will bring something that's not good into your life. It'd be, it'd be like a marriage. In, in, in my relationship with sincerity, I don't allow mixtures because I want... Um, I want there to be purity. I want her to know that I care for her. I love her. I don't allow other relationships to come in and take priority because she's there. Um, this last Christmas, I I, um, I went crazy and I bought all these little drinking straws. You might have seen them. Uh, you know, it's uh, you, you could drink any kind of water and it filters out uh, the impurities, right? So you're able to drink the water. And I began to watch these videos online about different people that have taken these straws and, and, and tried some different ones. And I saw this one lady. She was drinking... Um, water out of poop so it's poop water and uh she's she's drinking it i'm thinking man that's that's crazy it'll it'll filter out so many impurities and then i flipped the background i was reading on this on this this straw the information and it said it'll remove 98 percent of all of the harmful bacteria and stuff that you have in water and i began to think of that picture of this lady drinking poop water and i thought man 98 percent that's pretty good that it removed but she still drank two percent of poop water i don't know if i would choose that now don't get me wrong in in a in a dire state i'm pretty sure i would use that straw to drink water from wherever because i would need it um, but in in a normal state i wouldn't choose to go drink two percent of poop water if that makes sense because impurity is impurity right um, and in in this whenever we have allow a mixture into our life uh, when we begin to drink from things that are not healthy or not good we're actually inviting those impurities into our lives and it affects our relationships um, it affects all around. And when, when God gives this commandment in Exodus, he's saying when you choose these things, um, the sins, are, uh, your sins, your choices will visit the next generation and the generations after that. Uh, they'll visit that generation. Um, and, and, and the people of Israel took this as, as, as to mean that the son should die for the sins of the father. And that the sons of the sins of the son, the father should die for those things, uh, because it's going to affect everybody. And that is part true. Uh, but the thing is, they they misinterpreted the scripture, and they begin to say that um, our sins are going to uh, are going to cause our, our sons to also die. And that's not the point of the scripture. The point of the scripture is that our sins and, our, and the things that we choose will visit the next generations. Um, it'll be up to them to make that decision. And in fact, God was so angry at the people of Israel they kept saying this that 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 because the 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 father sin, the, the son should die also. That he actually in Ezekiel and also in Isaiah, he says in another place, he says that no, it's it's not. It's, the, the sin is not. Um, we don't die for the sins of our fathers. Actually, we die for our own sins. Like we have a responsibility to make our own choices. And in Ezekiel 18, I'll, I'll read that scripture in just a second. Um, he begins to talk about um, there was this righteous man. So there was the father, and he did what was right in God's eyes. He chose to do what was good, and he had a son. Who did the opposite? He chose what was evil and what was wicked. He began to do things that weren't good and weren't healthy. And then that son had another son. So you have the, the, the father, the son, and then the grandson. And the grandson, it says this, that uh, he began to recognize what his dad did and he chose something different. So he had a righteous father, uh, a wicked son, and then the grandson, he began to make a choice. And this is where we pick up Ezekiel eighteen fourteen. It says this, but suppose that sinful son in turn, has a son who sees his wickedness and decides against that kind of life. He says, he says imagine this. All right, so that that son he has a a, good, a son that sees his his the wickedness of his father and he decides against that. He goes on to say this that um, he does not does not do these evil things um, that it will, he will not die for his father's sins. He will surely live. 
but his father will die for his own sins. Um, so he's saying, we will, we will all be held, given account for our own choices. But what we choose does have consequences, and it passes on. And, and God gives the ability to each generation to make the choice. So in your family, if there's been something that has has been passed on from generation to generation, you have the opportunity to see it, to look at it, and then decide, do I continue in this, or do I do something differently? Um, and this is, I think, God's heart. What he's saying is it's going to visit. is not out of to hurt the next generation, but to give the next generation an option. Yeah, so you have an option. Do you keep walking in those things, or do you begin to do something different? And God is saying, I want, I want, I want the, it's, it's a principle of blessing that says when you choose what's right, because... So he's going to visit the sins of the father on the, on the three generations, but he's going to he's going to pass on blessings to the to those who love God and serve God to a thousand generations. So when you choose God, you actually also pass on good things. And so the principle that when we follow God, it actually blesses those around us and those that come after us. And here's the thing: is is, is he's asking us to to break the curses of future generations in our lives. What are those things in our lives that have been messing us up? What are those things that have been holding us back? Um, he wants us to break those things so we can have freedom. Um, it's not, when God gives us commands, it's not because he doesn't want us to have fun, but it's actually so he can, he can ha- help us to have the best life we could possibly have here on earth. And he's inviting us to do that. He's inviting us to, to know him and to, and to follow his lead. Um, you know, today, this would be the challenge that I would make as we talk about the, the principle of purity, um, is God is inviting us to follow his lead. Um, and my challenge is this, let's remove anything in our life that enslaves us. Um, the principle behind it is he wants us to keep, keep pure, uh, not because he keeps us from, from something good, but because he's trying to keep us from something that's going to enslave us. So remove anything in your life that would enslave you. Um, don't let it, don't let it take, take over you. Don't let your life become diluted by anything that brings unhealthiness. Uh, if there's something in your life that is bringing, that, that is causing you to be unhealthy, you need to cut it, cut it out of your life. That, that's what he's inviting us to, to do in this commandment. Say, don't allow these things that aren't real into your life. Uh, they will only weaken you. Uh, they will only lessen, lessen your life by adding inferior elements. And so I would say what you need to do is, is you need to ask God, begin to ask God to show you what imaginations, what weaknesses do I need to cut out of my life? Uh, what idols do I need to be delivered from? Um, like, like he says in Ezekiel, you're going to see it. And then you have to decide what to do. Um, what things to give up? How, how can I move forward? Because um, here's the thing. In your life, if two or more people are telling you you have an issue or you have a problem with something, um, you, you most likely have a problem with that. And that might be an indication that that is something that you've set up in your life to have priority. And you need to cut that out. Um, it, it, if it's, if it's, uh, even if it's hard, you need to make a choice to say, I don't want this in my life. Um, because most likely you are, you're being enslaved to that thing in your life. And God is saying, saying cut it out. And so today, is, as we close our service, I want to take a moment to pray with you and uh, ask God just to lead us and help us. And I would just say in this moment, would you, in your own words, in your own heart, uh, would you begin to ask God, reveal to me in my life, in my family, um, those things that, that are keeping me from your best. What are those things that are keeping me from your best? And I want to, I want to give you, leave you a quote before we pray. Is, uh, St. Augustine said it like this. He said, You made us for yourself, and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts, they find no peace until they find rest in you. And I think that would be God's invitation today. He says, all of you come to me, 
All of you who are who are uh, weighed down with heavy weights in your life, come to me, and I'll give you rest. All of you that have been uh, struggling with things, come to me. I want to help you on this journey. And today, that would be my challenge: is is would you begin to turn over to God your, your whole life? Maybe some of you in this in this theater today have never done that before. Would today be that day where you say, God, I give you my life. I give you everything that I have. I turn it over to you. God, I trust you. I put my trust in you. See, so the first commandment of priority, he's saying, put me first. The second one, he's saying, keep me first. Don't let other things come into your life that will take away my best in your life and distort and and, uh, pervert and, and bring in something that's impure into your life because that mixture only dilutes and only brings something that's not good. And God says, let me lead you. Let me be the one that, that leads you on this journey. So do me a favor today. As we uh, get ready to close service, would you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes and would you bow your head? And uh, in your own way, would you begin to just um, ask God to reveal to you, show to you? Um, and I'm going to lead you. If you're here today, I want to lead you in a prayer if, if you want to begin to start this relationship. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. And today's the day that you say, God, I want to follow you. I want to give you my life. So that's what a Christian means. It means that we're going to follow God. He's going to lead us. And we, we, we say yes to Him and no to culture. We say yes to Him and no to our own desires. And we begin to let Him lead us. And so if that's you today, I would love to lead you in a prayer. Uh, if you've walked away from God, I would love to say it's, it's time to come back. And today, let's make Him Lord. Let's make Him King. Uh, let's let Him lead. And so today, if, if that's you and you want to pray this prayer with me, would you um, just repeat this prayer in, in your own words? If you're a Christian, would you pray with us and so that those that are praying aren't praying alone? Um, but if that's you today, would you say a prayer like this? Just, just uh, I'll lead you in it. Say, say, Father God, today I commit my life to you. Forgive me for allowing things in my life that have distracted and taken away from your best. I believe the reason you died on that cross is so I can be forgiven, so I can have a new start. I believe you died on that cross for me. And I believe that you're alive today. And so today I put my trust in you. I say yes to you. I say yes to your ways. Come and lead me. Come and guide me. I invite you in my life today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.